Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Monday, May 21st. I'm Chris Hurdy. Today, we're going to hear from someone who was one of the OG design team members on the iPhone and why he left Apple this year. Freddy Anzures is a 42-year-old Filipino-American who helped design the original iPhone. And that's kind of a huge deal. If you think about it, the iPhone is 10 years old now, and it pretty much changed everything, everything about the way that we communicate. Anzures designed some of the original user interface features from iMessage effects, visual voicemail, the original YouTube app, iPhone calculator, many other things. He was on it. And he's also the brains behind the swipe to unlock move. So when you're getting all those left swipes on Tinder, Freddy's your guy that you should blame. Long story short, this guy is a huge part of why Apple has become one of the wealthiest companies in the world. But Freddy has left Apple. And in the years since Steve Jobs died in 2011, four other members of the original Experience Design team have also left the company. Many of them said it was because of a shift in culture that no longer supported innovation or put people at the center of the design philosophy. But Anzuras in particular found the power dynamics of Silicon Valley pretty unsavory, which at this point isn't really surprising. But props to Freddie because he's now on a mission to decolonize tech. So here's Vice's Ankita Rao speaking with Freddie himself on his experience working for and piecing out from Apple. What was it like walking into Apple for the first time? Wow. Um, you knew that you were walking into a place that a lot of magic was created. To be surrounded by these inventors, these visionaries, and, you know, the responsibility to create tools for humanity to use technology, I think was very top of mind when I first walked into there. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was listening to uh, Public Enemy's Fear of a Black Planet because that kept me balanced. And what was the team like that you worked on? I think when you work with people, you, you need to spend a lot of time to, to understand what they were like. So I think when I joined, um, I had a really great relationship with my friend Imran Chaudhry, who kind of hit me to the opportunity to work at the team. But um, it was a really small team of people that had been at the company for a bit of time before I had joined and had already created stuff that I had been using. So um, if anything, when I joined, it was with a team that I respected because they had already shipped a bunch of features through the Mac OS X platform. I think most of the tech industry trends white and male. And was Apple any different at the time? Yes, for the most part it was. You know, I, I don't... There are a number of reasons as to why that is. I think that um, 
I feel like any sort of platform that's that's invented or imagined, given the powers that be, typically look like the powers that be. And so, you know, it's just kind of a natural result of of the people in power and thinking that um, people that look like them should should also have that same power. And then you come in and you are from an immigrant family from the Philippines and you know, had maybe a vastly different childhood and upbringing than some of of the other people on the team. What was that like in how it manifested through the designs that you offered or the thinking that you have? Well, I I always thought it was an opportunity to bring some of that into uh, what I was working on. I mean, I certainly felt that there was a, a responsibility to infuse some of this stuff with uh, maybe culture or things that may not necessarily come through that building as easily. I know certainly um, understanding that the products that we were working on were touching so many different types of people, I think it was important to reflect the differences in the people receiving these products in the actual creative process, just so that people can relate to technology. I think one of the things that I'm seeing as a disparity in in Silicon Valley specifically is this the disparity between culture and technology and that culture is really being delivered these days through technology and when you don't have people culturally sensitive or aware of how things of culture can be infused in technology, then you have a generation that that isn't going to feel that or see that through these devices. And so there was always a feeling of bringing the outside in to the bubble, just so that when these things came out of the bubble, everybody would feel like there was a part of them in them. When did you know that you were first going to be working on the iPhone? Because you were on the original team of designers working on like possibly the best known device in the world. Yeah. How did you find out? You know, her manager came in one day and said, we're working on a phone. And that was that. There was a lot of speculation about the company working on this, this device. And when, when speculation and reality kind of come together, and then you're a part of that, you kind of get goosebumps. It's like, wow, like, I'm a part of, I'm a part of this thing that is going to be something. And then it's with Steve. Holy shit, like, what's about to go down, you know? We had no idea of the impact that it would have, but we all knew that being a part of it was, in and of itself, like, an amazing thing. Uh, There are a lot of quotes that Steve Jobs has been known to say, but one of the most popular ones is, um, the journey is the reward. And I think the journey of, of being a part of this this team, this process, this, that journey was, was the reward. And I think that in hindsight, looking back, I mean, the phone has been out more than 10 years now, and we were working on it more than 10 years ago to reminisce about what it was like to be a part of that process with someone who completely had a, a vision of how the computer should should evolve into our pockets i think is uh it's pretty crazy if you think. i mean i can't even 
it's like weird for me to think that I was even a part of that. What did Steve Jobs even say about the iPhone going into that project? Like, did he have a vision? Was he already sort of like, this is what we're going to create? Or was he more of like, hey, what do you guys think this should be? I'm pretty sure he had a vision of what <laughs> of what this product should should what this product should mean to culture and society. I know that he wanted to hire the best people to realize whatever vision he had. And so when you hire the best people, you tend to trust them and into into them telling you what it should be. And so I think it was a nice balance between a vision that he had and the people that he had working on this vision to show him what it could be and this kind of back and forth relationship. And how long did this process take, like from the time that you started working on it to the time that the first iPhone came out? This was like a little under three years. In design, it's very hard to have like ownership of a certain thing. And I know it's also pretty fraught within Apple to say like, I made this part or I designed this. Sure. But is there something that you know that was like yours in the iPhone or something that, you know, even now you can say today, like, cool, I made that. You know, when you're inventing something that doesn't exist, it's up to you to determine what that should look and feel like. It's a responsibility for the designers and the engineers in the creation of a new technology to be sensitive to how people use things now so that when they see something that's a new technology, the intuition of using it is actually rooted in things that they've already done. And given a lot of the features on the phone that we were working on in collaboration with engineers and in collaboration with the design team, there were, there were a couple things that I, was, uh, I raised my hand in being responsible for solving. And one of them was to solve the, the challenge of accidentally calling people in your pants. <laughs> it's something, it was a problem that I, I had a lot with the phone that I had at the time prior to the, the iPhone. And um, I wanted to solve that. And given, given the fact that the phone was, a, was entirely a touchscreen, you would assume that putting it in your pocket would accidentally call somebody if, if you weren't careful. Phones at the time solved this by having a switch to disable the physical buttons. You know, we, we were still kind of figuring out what hardware the iPhone should be in conjunction with the software to create the experience. And, you know, as you can see, we certainly arrived at having a physical switch on the, on the hardware, but that resulted in being a mute switch for uh, the volume. It wasn't a lock switch for the buttons because there were no, no buttons outside the home button. So, you know, in, in working with the team on this, I think one of the aha moments was it would be interesting to come up with some some sort of special gesture to celebrate the fact that this thing is a touchscreen, but also you would have to do something before accessing the, the main functions of the phone. We needed a way to lock essentially lock the phone. So we were thinking about different metaphors of locking. You know, when you think of locking a door, there's like a switch on the doorknob. You think of, um, there's a number of, of ways to, to, to think about locking something. But it wasn't until a, a, a flight that I took to New York from San Francisco that things kind of 
clicked. Uh, no pun intended. Um, if you use the restroom in, in an airplane when on a trip, the way that you lock the door is like a, a, a horizontal uh, slide that changes from green to red when you when you lock the airplane restroom door. And I saw that and, you know, that was another form of locking something. I thought, hey, wouldn't it be interesting to, to at least try that as, as an approach? Because what was really nice about that approach was that that lock took up a very small amount of real estate. When you think about locks are typically like circle, circular, but this one was literally just a horizontal line. And by placing that at the bottom of the touchscreen, you would have all of this real estate above it to do something. And the fact that at the bottom of the screen, when you when you slide your thumb at the bottom, it just felt very natural to do as a one-handed operation. That kind of inspired the slide to unlock user interface. And I thought to record my high school combination lock sound for the unlock and lock of of that interface, thinking that, you know, Steve has relationships with Pixar and they have like sound designers over there and stuff, but the sound continued to stay in the user interface for quite some time as 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 the first sound you would hear when you unlock the phone. So it was funny, um, when the phone come out, just being out in the wild and you know, seeing people use the device was a trip, but then to actually hear my high school combination lock come out of of people's phones was was pretty crazy too. And do you see what that one invention has sort of become now? Do you see it kind of everywhere? Because I feel like I do. You know, I think a lot of it is a testament to the multi-touch technology that was developed to enable a lot of these functions to happen. When you have a technological innovation, it starts to open up ways to reimagine things. And uh, had it not been for the multi-touch technology, we wouldn't have swiping, slide to unlock, pinching and zooming, scrolling through lists. I wanted to talk about the transition from working on something like the iPhone and then a few years later when you chose to leave Apple what had changed for you and, and what made you want to leave the company? I had a really amazing time at Apple. I had worked there for 14 years. Um, the way I'd like to, to characterize that time is that um, I started working at Apple two weeks after Kanye West, the college dropout, came out. And so if you look at that moment in time, given you know, where, where he is as, as an artist now and, and track that with kind of Apple's rise through the iOS platform and all its different permutations, iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, etc. I was really fortunate to be at the company throughout that time. And so 14 years is a long time for anyone in a tech company situation to be uh, a part of. I think it was a remarkable place for me to... to to learn and challenge myself for that amount of time, given the people in the company that were very inspirational and, 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 and Steve Jobs kind of at the helm. But after he passed away, I think 
um, things things just got different, and you know, I I started to have a little bit more confidence in myself to to bet on myself and to take what I had learned from that 14 years and 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 see what would be possible to do now. And so I think it was just a combination of of me wanting to have a new journey. How did Apple change though after Steve Jobs died? You don't have a lot of companies where one person is so deeply entrenched in everything. He he created this relationship where it's it Apple was kind of a manifestation of his vision and so when when you have somebody like that go away or leave there's obviously going to be something different about how things get done look at the products the products are a reflection of the creators it's just like a if you listen to an album and and you don't and you're not into it, then you know the band wasn't having a good time. I would say look at the products and judge for yourself. What are the values that you want to bring into whatever you do next? There is so much opportunity for technology to be infused with culture and people who are sensitive to history and art. I think whenever you have an intersection between art and science, that has always fascinated me. And so I think what I'm going to be doing in the future is to try to find ways to enable that connection to happen, but in a way that's really meaningful so that this next generation who uses technology can have a culturally infused experience with what they're interacting with. You know, that that will require having people in the industry who are culturally sensitive in positions where they can influence the technology. There's a responsibility towards this next generation who use technology as a way to communicate learn things, even pay for things. You know, this next generation is aware of things through technology. And if if it isn't infused with culture, then we're not going to have culture. And that's where I want to be a part of. To read the full story, go to motherboard.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again on Wednesday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.